You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 351, Training Topics for Your Church Safety Team, Part 2. Last week, we discussed the importance of ongoing training for the men and women who keep your church safe. Remember, we said we don't rise to the occasion. We always fall to our highest level of training. Listen again. This is so important. We don't rise to the occasion. We fall to our highest level of training. So if that's true, and I believe it is, we need to constantly be training our people, uh, sharpening their skills, developing their skill sets, and and constantly uh, updating and refreshing ourselves on certain topics. Um, just a quick recap for training topics. Last week we talked about initial firearms training and yearly qualification, and obviously, as I said before, this is based on your own uh, local state or national laws, depending on where you're at. Where I live, it's very easy to have an armed civilian safety team in our church. But every every place, every community, every city, every state, every country doesn't have that. So you'll have to look at your own laws. But for us, um, very important, the initial firearms training and then a yearly qualification where they have to meet a certain standard. Number two, we talked about judgmental shooting or using a simulator if you've got access to that. Number three, uh, use of force continuum and a state law refresher. I go through this every single year with our team. Uh, it's so important to know what the law says about the use of force, whether it's uh, non-lethal force or lethal force. You need to know what your laws are. CPR, basic first aid, this is a very important uh, aspect of your safety team. Uh, they may very well be called upon to administer first aid or CPR at some point um, until the paramedics get there. And so giving them um, you know, some type of, of, of training, at least a baseline of training, is very important. And then defensive tactics. We talked about the importance of defensive tactics. Look, we're not trying to create the next Bruce Lee, but we do want to give our team some some tools and some some options in case they ever have to um, use force. I mean, I've told my team we don't use physical force against anybody unless they're trying to use physical force against us or somebody else in the church, our pastors, our leaders, a child, another church member. Um, that would be the only time we apply physical force. Somebody can stand up and scream and yell and rant and rave. That's fine. We're not going to touch them. Um, you know, nobody wants to get sued, and everything's going to be on video. So it's much easier for us just to contain them until the police get there and let the police deal with them. However, once they move to becoming um, violent, then we, we may have to use force, and so we do defensive tactics, uh, 
you know, at least once a year. So that was what we talked about last week. Now, jumping back in, new topics we're going to talk about today. Number one, active shooter training. It seems like every year there's several active shooter situations in local churches. Uh, there was a hostage situation recently in Texas. Uh, didn't turn into an active shooter situation, thankfully, but still it was in a, a synagogue and uh, people were taken hostage. There were firearms involved and the police had to come in and rescue them and the bad guy was eventually killed. But active shooter training, how is your team going to respond to an active shooter? Um, it's a possibility. You know, we pray it never happens, but it's a possibility. And remember, we don't rise to the occasion. We always fall to our highest level of training. So how are you preparing your team to deal with an active shooter? And there's plenty of resources out there. Uh, local law enforcement will often come in and walk you through a block of instruction on how to deal with a practical uh, a practical situation of an active shooter. Um, you know, there's plenty of videos out there. There's other resources, seminars, but provide some type of training for your team so that they will know what to do, and what you expect of them. Now listen, I get it. The best plans um, you know, can all fall apart once contact is made with the enemy. But having a plan is better than not having a plan um, because your people will fall into the, 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 the situation. They're going to do what they've been trained to do. So active shooter training, very, very important. Along with that, room clearing. Now, the reality is... We're not police officers, and we're not going to be going searching for a bad guy uh, unless we absolutely have to. 911 is going to be called. The police are going to be en route. We don't want to be standing around with a gun in our hands when a police show up. But what we found was when we've done this kind of training as a team, it was a confidence booster because it gave them the skills to um, clear a room, to look for a bad guy, and, you know, if you think about it, um, if, if in the middle of your church service somebody jumped up, pulled out a gun, and ran into the children's wing, you're going to go deal with it. You're going to search until you find them, and this will involve searching rooms. Um, hopefully the police will get there soon, but we don't want to take a chance on this person going in and harming our children. So room clearing is a good skill to have, even though we pray, again, that we never have to use it. So, again, how do you get this training if you've never had it? There's some great videos out there. There's plenty of professionals in your, in your area who would be more than willing to come in and help you with this. You may have uh, law enforcement officers in your church, former military who could work with you on this important skill. Uh, the next one, tactical communication or verbal judo. Verbal judo kind of became a catchphrase back in the 90s. Um, a guy named George Thompson, who I believe is a psychologist or psychiatrist, uh, who had spent time as a police officer, realized that most police officers were as effective as any psychologist he had ever come across because they knew how to talk to people. Uh, experienced police officers know how to talk to people. They know how to de-escalate situations. Now, it doesn't always work. You know, in a perfect world, we hear a lot of talk about de-escalation, but in a, it also doesn't work all the time. But what George Thompson found was that watching Veteran police officers, they just knew how to talk to people based on the situation. So this is a great block of training. There's videos out there um, on verbal judo, tactical communication, uh, verbal de-escalation. Whatever you want to call it, 
it's so important that our people, our safety team members, know how to talk to other people. Um, as, a, as a police officer and then as a, a, a corporal, a sergeant, and then a lieutenant before I retired, um, that was one of those skills that you can't, um, people don't ne- just necessarily come out of the police academy with. They have to learn it. They have to know how to talk to people. They know how to relate to people. Show compassion. Show empathy. Show sympathy. Uh, but be able to talk to people and uh, really uh, bring a situation under control just using our words. So it's so important, and I definitely encourage you to have a block of instruction. We actually had one a few months ago. One of uh, one of my team leaders put this together, and you know, a great block of instruction on how to de-escalate situations, how to talk people down, how to calm a situation down without pouring gas on the fire and making it worse. Um, so for today, let's see, that was one, two, three. Okay, number four for today, advanced firearms training. Advanced firearms training, this is typically something that, that I encourage my team to do, and I've had a number of team members do it, where you look for a particular uh, firearms training course in your area. There's uh, one in, in, in our area put on by a particular range called uh, Defensive Pistol. And it's a, it's, it's a fantastic course. There's moving, there's shooting, there's hiding behind cover, the tactics are there. It's more than you're going to get in a basic course. And I would just say spend the $150, $200, or $300, or whatever it's going to cost you. It's going to be well worth it. And it might save your life one day. Get as much training as you can. And even if there's no schools in your area, make sure you practice on your own. Watch some great YouTube videos on uh, tactical shooting, tactical pistol shooting, and Maybe take some of those tactics and practice them at the range. But uh, but definitely make sure you're constantly training with your firearm. Well, don't go away. We'll be right back. I just wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Running Towards the Abyss. This is number four, book number four in the Zombie Terror War series. And if you've been following, you know I've been highlighting one every every week for the last few weeks. Running Towards the Abyss is, is my personal favorite of the six-book series. And, you know, one of the questions that, that, that maybe you've never thought about, but how would you react if everything that you know was taken away from you? What if the power grid shut down? Uh, what if the cell towers went down and you were unable to communicate and then on top of that, you are separated from your family. So that's kind of what's going on in this book. Uh, got a main her- main character who is trying to reconnect with a family member, but everything's working against him. The power grid's down. There's no electricity. There's no communications. And to top it all off, terrorists have released a bioterror weapon. Uh, which have created zombies. And so he's having to fight his way through. He's also having to deal with drug gangs and human traffickers. And man, oh man, there's just so much going on. So check out Running Towards the Abyss. There's also, uh, this is this is one that's got a bit of a love story in it, and I think you might enjoy that as well. But check it out. Click on the link. You can read the first part for free. And then definitely buy this book. I know you'll love it. All right, back in. We've done active shooter training. We've done room clearing, we've talked about tactical communication or verbal judo, and then we've talked about advanced firearms training. Uh, Next, this is more of a question, and it's do you carry 
tasers, or pepper spray. Uh, for many, yeah, probably the first several years of our safety team, we only had uh, everybody was equipped with their firearm, but then we've stepped it up, and now we actually have tasers as well, at least a couple of them. Um, this provides a less lethal option uh, where, you know, there might be a situation where you're able to use less force with a taser, obviously not putting yourself in, in, in harm's way. I mean, if, if, if somebody's got a gun, you shouldn't pull out a taser. That's just a, that's a bad idea. But there might be a situation where the taser might be effective, and I encourage you to pursue um, the possibility of using tasers. Pepper spray is, is, I know many churches, many church safety teams, they issue pepper spray. My guess is, though, these men and women have never been exposed to pepper spray because as a police officer using pepper spray, I found that no matter when I sprayed it or if I was even in the neighborhood when it was sprayed, I got it on me. And you think about it in the context or the, <clears throat> the context of a, a, a church situation or maybe in the lobby, if you, pray, you spray that pepper spray, everybody in the surrounding area is going to be exposed to it, not just the bad guy or bad girl, whoever you're spraying. So something to consider. But less lethal options are definitely a good idea. Um, I know some church safety teams that arm their members with collapsible batons. Uh, we haven't done that. I'm just not sure how that'd play out on the news uh, with a video of a safety member swinging a baton at, at, at somebody in the church lobby. I don't know. That's just my, <laughs> my, my, my thought process on that. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely a way to go. I used one with the police department um, to great effect on a number of occasions, and I definitely enjoy uh, the idea of a collapsible baton. You just kind of have to weigh that out yourself. So less lethal options, tasers, pepper spray, and collapsible batons. All right, next, emergency evacuation of the building and or fire drills. Is this something you practice? This is something that needs to be a part of your safety team training. If you would, had an emergency, how would you evacuate the building? If you had an actual fire, a tornado, or an active shooter, where are you going to be directing people? Um, because especially in a large church, this can get chaotic. If you've only got 60 people in your church, it's probably manageable. But I can imagine a situation where, where, where if there was an emergency where all the parents would run towards our children's wing, which is connected to the auditorium, uh, and that could, that could turn into some type of chaos. So, so this is really something to think about. Um, just recently, in a service, pastor was preaching, and the fire alarm went off. And it turned out to be a false alarm, but it went off. And in the main auditorium, we held, no problem, but to their credit, the children's directors had the children outside from both floors. We've got two floors of kids' ministry. They had everybody outside within about two or three minutes. They just did an exceptional job because it's something that they planned for and talked about. So I definitely encourage you to um, put some type of training together and think through how you would evacuate your building in an emergency. All right, next, um, positioning inside the auditorium. We actually train on this at least once a year. We go inside the auditorium on a Saturday when there's nobody there, and we talk about where each team member is going to be positioned during a service. How fast can you get to the stage if somebody rushed it? One of the things to consider when we're talking about church safety is the fact that the pastor is often the focal point of the attack. Um, I've actually seen uh, several videos 
where churches have been uh, not necessarily attacked in the sense of somebody coming in with a gun, but somebody rushing the stage and trying to punch or tackle the pastor or whatever. And in every single case, the service team, the deacons, the ushers, whatever you want to call them, just kind of were frozen in place. And it was pretty obvious to me anyway, it didn't look like these churches had any type of safety or security in place either because these folks were able to rush the stage. They were up there for several seconds. In one case, a woman rushed the stage, came in behind the pastor, and knocked him off the stage. It's about a four-foot drop. Thankfully, he wasn't seriously hurt. And then nothing happened. People were just kind of frozen in their seats. And so how are you going to protect the auditorium? Where are your people going to be positioned? Where are you going to sit? Um, do you have a good view of the, the building, the auditorium? And then, of course, everybody's got a different situation depending on your auditorium, sanctuary, etc. Um, so this is definitely something to consider, and we actually train on this at least once a year. We go in, we talk about it. We, we even do some scenarios of, of, of having somebody rush the stage and how fast can the safety team member get there. And, of course, everyone wants to be the fastest, so it creates a little bit of competition. Um, how about your parking lot? How are you going to patrol the parking lot? Um, is that something that you even consider? We typically do at least one sweep of the parking lot, you know, a service just to make sure nobody's breaking into cars or lurking out there. So these are things to consider, and this is great material to train your people on. All right, we're almost done. Two more. This one is so vitally important, but how are you going to protect your children? I was recently in a church, and part of their safety for their church was they had a, a security guard, and they hired um, an armed security guard. They've got a, a security team or security service that they use, that they contract. And so they have somebody who's actually inside the children's building, which is maybe 100 feet from the main auditorium uh, across the parking lot. So, so for them, this is how they do it, which is great. Um, they've got somebody who's in there standing by the front doors, you know, monitoring entry. Nobody's getting in um, unless they go by him. So, so that's a great way to do it. They've thought it through. They're protecting their children. Um, how are you protecting your children? We've got a great security um, uh, plan in place for our kids' wing. Uh, the kids are protected. I already told you about our kids' directors, how quick they got them out on a, on a fire drill, but they've, they've got other plans in place to protect the children in an emergency. But it's something we need to talk about. How is your safety team a part of protecting the children? And this goes beyond just an active shooter. What if uh, a couple's going through a divorce and one of them has custody of the kids, but yet the other parent shows up demanding that the kids be released to them. You can see where this goes. Um, so these are these are things you have to think about. Um, so anyway, these are things to think about with kids, and it's 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 just a, again a very very important component of keeping our church safe. And then the last one, we're talking about training topics for your church safety team. The last one is what spiritual component are you imparting to your team? You know, look, everybody's at different places spiritually, and I get that, and everybody has different senses of what God has called them to do. But the thing I've encouraged everyone on my, my safety team is we're all people who care for people. And there may be times when the smartest thing we can do is just pray for this person. Um, somebody comes in and it's obvious that there's some type of issue, whether they come in angry or there's some type of uh, emotional problem. 
Sometimes the smartest thing we can do is just go talk to them, just have a conversation with them, maybe even say, can I pray for you? Um, But also going and talking to them lets us know if it's going to be an issue later on. Uh, You know, as I've said before, you know, when my safety, one of my safety team members comes to me and goes, hey, look, you know, there's a suspicious person over here or this person over here, you know, doesn't seem quite right. My first question is, have you spoken to them? Because if you haven't spoken to them, that's what I'm going to tell you to do. Go have a conversation with them. Uh, We don't wear anything identifying us as safety, security, whatever. And so the first thing, you know, they don't know if if, if we're a safety team. They just think we're a a concerned church member. So go have a conversation with them. And then maybe, just maybe, say, hey, listen, can I pray for you? And then let's see what happens. Because ultimately, in the house of God, we're protecting the flock. And sometimes that's even on a spiritual level. Uh, We always want to come back to the spiritual component. Listen, we're here serving God, protecting His flock. Uh, protecting the people, and then sometimes that means even offering, you know, that moment of prayer, or that that light pastoral touch we would call it, in helping that person connect with God. So just a quick recap from last week and this week. That's fourteen different training topics: initial firearms training and yearly qualification, judgmental shooting or simulator training. Number three: use of force continuum, state law refresher on what you're uh, allowed to do and according to levels of force. CPR, basic first aid. Number five, defensive tactics. Number six, active shooter training. Number seven, room clearing. Number eight, tactical communication or verbal judo. Number nine, advanced firearms training. Train, train, train. Number 10, what other uh, uh, equipment do you carry besides your firearm? In a walkie-talkie, do you carry tasers or pepper spray or a collapsible baton? If you do, make sure you've got the proper training and that you're, you're qualified to use that particular weapon. Uh, emergency evacuation of the building, fire drills, do you do that? Do you have a plan in place? Number 12, how are you stationing your people inside the auditorium? How fast can they get to the stage? Uh, how fast can they get to the kids' wing? Uh, what about the, uh, the the lobby, the the parking lot? How are you positioning your people? Number thirteen, are your children being protected? What is your plan for keeping the children safe? And then number fourteen, the spiritual component. What's our spiritual component? How are we discipling the men and women who are serving on our safety team to be more effective pastors and leaders themselves? Well, I'd love to hear from you if you can think of some other. Uh, training topics for for your church safety team, some things you're doing that I haven't mentioned. Man, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I always learn uh, from from my listeners. I always learn from talking to people who who are doing similar things to us. Um, We don't claim to have the handle on this, but um, if we can help you in developing and building a church safety team, by all means, reach out. David at davidspell.com. Let's talk. you know, I've done several podcasts on this. You can go back and listen to those. But if you want to talk, I'd love to help you. This is too important to leave to chance. Well, make sure you check out my resource highlight, uh, Running Towards the Abyss. Um, make sure you, you spend a little time on my website, davidspell.com. There's some great free resources there. And until next week, I hope you have a great week. And we'll see you next time on Leading and Learning.